Today's Structure Show is brought to you by Momentum SI, experts in cloud computing and DevOps. Momentum provides consulting for Amazon, OpenStack, and vCloud Air, as well as leading DevOps solutions like Puppet, Docker, and OpenShift. For cloud and DevOps consulting services, visit www.momentumsi.com. Thanks for supporting the show. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. It's Barb Darrow, and I'm here with Derek. Hey, Derek Harris. Hey, Barb. So you had a big week already. Um, <laughs> I've the oh, first my. huge. The first <laughs> thing I want to talk about is Alchemy API and IBM buying it. Uh, let's get the backstory here, and and uh, there is a good backstory vis a vis GigaOM here, right? Yeah. Well, any opportunity to plug. Sure, <laughs> but it's actually legitimate <laughs> this time. It, it is. So, <laughs> so so I'll start with the backstory. All right. La- almost a year ago today. I we had had our structured data 2014 conference, and we had a session with El, Elliot Turner from Alchemy API, the founder and CEO, and Stephen Gold, a VP at IBM's Watson Group, talking about the emergence of our APIs for artificial intelligence. Essentially, mm-hmm. you know, programming intelligence into your into your applications or running whatever, running these right. workloads, you know, via via API versus you know hiring eight machine learning of experts. Yeah. And lo and behold, today IBM announced it has acquired Alchemy API. And I asked the guys, and they said, "Oh yeah, that was certainly a catalyst for well, for us talking to each other and getting on each other's radar." So I mean, didn't the Alchemy API guy also? Of course, this is a pro forma. Oh, oh yeah, yeah. He yeah. he also told you like not that long ago, maybe September, that they weren't for sale, right? Yeah, I believe it was. Yes, we have spurned many offers, and we are not for sale. What's this quote? <laughs> so they they succumb to the siren call of IBM. <laughs> I guess so. I, I I will say, and I I know it's kind of the stock PR answer, but um, you know, I, I think it would be kind of yeah. I think he also suggested they might have to, you know, they might be looking to go out and go after the first round of financing at some point too. Uh-huh. So um, I, I think that you know when it comes when it, you know they did a good job bootstrapping the business, right? But when it comes to actually scaling. You know, sometimes you need a you need an investors or an IBM sugar daddy, right. and and like, you know, the the one thing I think he was afraid of, Elliot, was that so many of these deep learning acquisitions. So Alchemy API, if you're unfamiliar, is a deep learning startup, and and it, and it does visual. Uh, well, yeah, it does text and uh, c- computer vision stuff, uh-huh. and 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 it trains everything. It runs everything in Amazon's cloud and trains everything kind of unsupervised, and it's really an interesting sort of sort of service, and. Um, so, and I think what Elliot was afraid of was so many of these deep learning acquisitions that happen, like Madbits by Twitter or um, who was it, Visify or Visgraph or someone by Pinterest, and all uh-huh. these things that happen, or uh, whatever, Lookflow by Yahoo. They, the, the the companies, the services fold essentially. They shut down the service, oh and then this, the guys go into the research group. The team goes into the research group, you know, kind of to be heard of right, in papers, and conferences, but yeah. really never. Right. Uh, and so, th- what's happening with Alchemy API? It sounds like is the service is going to shut down on the Alchemy API site at some point. Uh huh. But it's still going to live on. I mean, like the services are still going to be available, and all the technology and everything will be part of the IBM Bluemix sort of Watson Cloud thing. So, so they'll so, probably come off of Amazon Web Services. Is, a, is my well, guess. probably. Yeah, but yeah. No. At, at, at the very least, you know the. The, the company, you know, its vision still <laughs> exists, even uh-huh. if it's at a different, 
on a different platform, which is, you know, better or worse, depending on how you might <laughs> look at that. Well, I remember one of your stories. I was so interested in this because it did, they, they did stuff with images like, you know, assess the age of a person or or distinguish between Will Ferrell and I forget that guy who Will Ferrell looks like. Oh, yeah, like. Chad Smith. From yeah, the yeah. I, I mean, I thought, I was like, okay, this is actually an application I can see use for because, you know, I'm... I love well, gossip sites yeah, and stuff. I and... thought I thought one of the more interesting things actually was like the you know, I mean it depends on I mean obviously the use case for that probably isn't, you know, to do those sort of <laughs> distinctions, right. but to go around and tag photo libraries right. automatically or right. do captioning and stuff like that. But what I thought was really interesting about Alchemy and that that Chad Smith and that the age thing speaks to it and kind of the the Chad Smith Will Ferrell example mm-hmm. is that the way it it trained the system was essentially like letting it loose for the facial recognition part, at least. Right, just letting, letting it loose. loose on the web, and letting it track down, you know, like a bunch of, imp- you know, celebrities or whomever where there were lots of images of them, <laughs> and then going through and grabbing like the the knowledge graph type of information about them, and then so it could go through and and and, and attribute ages oh, to people. It's... So once it knows everyone, so once it learns everyone's, you know, like this is Chad Smith or Will Ferrell. This right. is so-and-so and this is their age or whatever and then it can go through and train on ages and try to do that you know so it's kind of a self-feeding and self-learning system system. in that regard all i can think of is like wow i bet you tmz would love to use that (laughs) (laughs) like is this so it's they might i mean honestly (laughs) honestly i was like anyway i i love i I just love that story we have a blurry the question is how blurry of a photo (laughs) can you have exactly how how poor of lighting can can they determine can they determine if it's will ferrell if his hand is up in front of his face you know but yeah you know the the tabloids might like that too exactly do those still exist they do right the tabloid oh oh god don't you ever go grocery shopping i do and i I, see them i I don't know if people still bought them well no but i don't know anybody buys them but i I know lots of people, including myself, who likes to read them in line. I mean, well, who that's gonna, fair. You know, that's true. Yeah, but it's anyways. like buying, it's like buying Playboy in the age of <laughs> <laughs> or anything. It's like you have the internet. I don't know why we're well, still anyway. I anyway. Anytime we can get Will Ferrell into GigaOM, I'm a huge fan. So anyway, and then there was another little dust up in the uh, big data world um, <laughs> with Cloudera. Oh, I love. <laughs> Let's talk about. I love this. Well, I mean, essentially. <laughs> You might recall, listeners might recall, we t- probably talked about it two weeks ago and last week, the the open data platform that Hortonworks helped helped launch along with Pivotal and IBM and, the, and these companies. And, you know, they view it as a way to package Apache Hadoop. Let's call, this, let's call this going forward the ABC Consortium, anyone but Cloudera. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. <laughs> anyway, go ahead. Sorry. So, so, so uh, that's great. Good, great. So, so. So they went ahead and, and, and launched this thing, and they said, hey, we're going to package Apache Hadoop. And, you know, so now these companies that don't want to develop on the core of Hadoop, like IBM or Pivotal or Teradata or whomever or SaaS, right. can go ahead and build these applications on top of this. And they'll have like a, you know, a solid, you know, tested sort of thing, essentially based on the Hortonworks right. <laughs> distribution that they can go ahead and, and build on top of and be, and be confident. And Cloudera came out just firing at this call. <laughs> Calling it a ruse and, you know, all these awesome... I mean, just like... Did they call it a sham? I think they called it a sham. I think I they said it. they're being... They're lying. <laughs> I think Michael also said something like that. I mean, it was pretty... The, 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 they came up, you know, both guns blazing, <laughs> essentially. And so I spoke with... You know, so a couple weeks ago, I spoke with Rob Beard, the Hortwick CEO, and he, he talked about... Kind of laid it out and said, hey, you know, we're just trying to do this and whatever. And then I spoke with Tom Riley, the Cloudera CEO, last week. He's like, Balderdash! 
so yeah, so 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 Tom Riley essentially he, he called it. I'm, I'm quoting now: a ruse and frankly a graceful exit for Pivotal, <laughs> and and then went on to say that you know no one was asking for the ODP and and whatever, and this is just a big win for Cloudera because it proves <laughs> these other companies can't hang. And then he went and said, hey, listen, we earned more than $100 million last year, more than Hortonworks and MapR combined, and we have this big war chest from Intel, and they're not really our competitors, essentially. Oh, our competitors are Pivotal and IBM, who are doing this whole data management stack, right. not treating Hadoop as an add-on and being submissive to their partners. Oh, my God. Submissive was, you know, a quote, and, and said, essentially... And um, so we're big and we're better and our part, you know, our, we don't have competition. It's kind of how I read it. <laughs> but to be fair, he did not use the word sham. So I stand corrected. No, no sham. Ruse, just ruse is good. Anyway, anyway, it's very so, interesting yeah. stuff. And they're going to be at Structured Data next oh, week. Oh, they'll everybody. all be there with the MapR CEO. And uh-huh. it'll, you know, I, I think there's, there's a lot to talk about. <laughs> so, and I mean, I just love it, you know, as, as, as someone covering the space because... This the Hadoop space, you know, in I'd say 2012, maybe uh-huh. is right. Was very hot and heavy, and very, and maybe even 2013, very into finger pointing. And you're not as open right. as I am, and right. and you know whatever. All these definitions over who's more open and who's contributing more, and blah blah blah. Right. And now, and then it kind of went into a lull. Yeah, I would say kind of a lull. Still Boring. some hot spots here and there. Right. But then this this open data platform and this ABC <laughs> consortium. <laughs> As another thing. Oh, yeah. Tom Riley was like, you know, if this was really open, we would have been invited and we wouldn't have had to sign a non disclosure. Oh, my God. When we asked about it. This is so, so great. So, so, anyhow, but this really like stoked the flames again. And and, and I, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because I, I think it was last year there were some pretty fighting, big fighting words at Structured Data, was, were there not? I wouldn't call them fighting words at Structured Data. Last year was kind of. Was that the, it was more the, of a law? huge intel. The Intel investment broke kind of that Oh, morning. that's right. That's right. And then, I mean, Rob Beard from Hortonworks was, you know, predicting his company was going to be do a billion dollars very soon and that sort of thing. So there was kind of some, you know, some predictions and, you know, positioning. Tom trying to skirt, I guess, <laughs> because they, they, they hadn't yet disclosed the huge, all the, you know, all the facts and figures about that investment round, which is kind of fussy. But anyhow, this year I think is going to be really interesting. And, you know, you're seeing. Not to ramble, but you're really seeing the business discussion ramp up now because Hortonworks is a public company. Right, right. And Cloudera is probably going to be, but has, you know, whatever, got a half a billion dollars in cash last year. It's got to figure that out. out. And then MapR wants to be a public company, it sounds like. And yeah, so you're, you're, you're hearing the business discussion just really ramp up like, like how not just, oh, we're trying to build this open source thing and whatever, and, uh, you know, rising tide floats all boats. It's really kind of becoming like, who has the better business model? Yeah, and we're gonna not pull any punches in terms of. <laughs> like a, here's a grown-up company, you know, doing real business with real customers, kind of thing. Yeah, and, and to be fair, I mean, for all the, for for all the shots that 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 Cloudera likes to take at Hortonworks and whomever, you know, the 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 Horton strategy in my mind is actually rather sound, mm-hmm. which is to say, Cloudera can go and try to sell everything, and Mapbar can go and try to sell everything. We are going to be resold by in everybody. some way, shape, or form by everybody. <laughs> right. And you know, with this open data platform, even if you know that's a self-funding alliance, mm-hmm. I mean, presumably, if Hortonworks is doing most of the engineering, right. Well, they're Hortonworks, they're in control. Hortonworks is is going to take a lot of that money mm-hmm. into its right. I mean, to to fund the engineering mm-hmm. and. 
Hortonworks, you know, some of these companies, I mean, Pivotal already did it, essentially outsourcing its development and support to Hortonworks. You know, IBM could do it. A lot of companies could start doing it. And IBM, God knows, they're outsourcing a lot of stuff these days. Well, yeah, and Teradata. Yeah. Teradata already has a deal like that. Microsoft, I mean, Microsoft, these companies have, you know, these these tight partners. They have them with Cloudera, too, to be fair. But Hortonworks is kind of... But Hortonworks and Microsoft are particularly close, are they not? Yeah, they are. The HD Insight thing that... Azure Cloud, that's kind of that's based on Hortonworks and Hortonworks helped Microsoft build it. So Hortonworks has what I think is a sound business model. I wouldn't be just because it's not going out there and you know, whatever. Right. You know, it's, right. I mean it's just it's it's, it's essentially a, a you know, a gamer now who can, you know, rain on the other guy's parade. Right. <laughs> so. And I, I always like it because you know what, we want to be entertained too, right? Well that's true. <laughs> I know we I'm a big I'm a big so. fan of entertainment. Anyway, so to get a little bit of cloud news in and this is just by way of introducing our guest, um HP um which <laughs> HP bought eucalyptus. There's been a, a bunch of HP cloud news recently, including a shakeup of management of the HP cloud with Martin uh, Miko's still with the company, but not the top cloud guy anymore. He's working with startups as an evangelist, is what I've been told. But anyway, um, this week, HP updated a bunch of its cloud offerings, including what they're now calling HP Eucalyptus... Uh, wait a minute. HP Hellion... Uh, HP Helion Eucalyptus, which is the old Eucalyptus stuff with the new label... Um, HP OpenStack, which is a Helion as well, and also the HP uh, Cloud Foundry stuff. Um, and our guest this week is Bill Hilf, who is the Product Managing, Management Senior Vice President. He's going to talk about some of the positioning there and uh, and why and whether or not HP is still in the public cloud business. And to find out the answer to that, you have to listen to the segment. <laughs> Hold on a second, though. I'm, I'm just... I, I... I am not a marketer, so although I, might, I think I think I could be a very good one, uh-huh. but let me just HP Helion Eucalyptus might be the worst product. Oh my god! Well, it's pretty it's pretty bad, but I have to say that Microsoft still has the worst names ever. Like remember, I mean Microsoft well, Office, Microsoft Windows Back Office Server R two, blah 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 yeah, blah yeah, blah. Yeah. I was like, bad. and but I I kind of like HP Helion because I like to say it's Helion, which and I'm always corrected. It's not Helion. But I, like I don't know what Helion means. I don't know what they, I don't think that it means. I mean, I'm guessing it's some sort of astronomical term. Oh, actually, let me look. Well, I'm going to Google it right now. I don't know what Helion means, and I certainly know that it doesn't mesh with eucalyptus because no, I know what eucalyptus no. means. I don't. Okay, I did a define Helion, and um, there's a company called Helion Energy. Oh, wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. No, I don't think it means anything. All of these references go back to HP. So really? I don't know. Yeah, I, I, it's not like helium. Go go to a scientific d- dictionary. Let's see. Helion. Hellion. H e l i o n. Oh, hold on! I'm seeing something. Uh, this one is telling me that it's another term for Helios, the son of God, the oh. sun god. Now that's a little bit arrogant, isn't it? It is, but <laughs> okay. I, I like it. It's 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 uh, it's atmospheric. And then and Hellion means a whole different thing that they don't want to have anything to do with. So, so why don't they just call it Helios? You know what? That's probably because someone already owns it. 
Oh, it could be. I don't know. I bet people went through and trademarked all those cloud terms back in the day. They're like, helio, stratosphere. <laughs> They're uh, all squatters. Troposphere. <laughs> we're gonna, oh. any, sort of, any sort of cloud term, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna camp out on. Anyway, so stay tuned and listen um, for Bill Hilf. This is actually he's it's the second time he's been on the show. So we're starting to repeat ourselves. He's like the Alec Baldwin of... <laughs> <laughs> we're SNL. <laughs> That's you know what I think he'd I think he'd enjoy that reference. Maybe we should ask him which term he could be: Alec Baldwin, John Goodman, or Justin Timberlake, or Justin Timberlake. He has those three choices. All right, we'll do that. <laughs> anyway, stay tuned, everyone. Thanks for listening. When your CIO requests continuous delivery on a hybrid cloud, it's time to call the consultants at Momentum SI, experts in DevOps, resilient architectures, and scale out cloud. Momentum Consultants can help you establish a self-service infrastructure that bridges the gap between the development and operations teams. Momentum SI ensures that you have the expertise you need to get your projects done right. For consulting services, visit www.momentumsi.com. Hey everybody, welcome back. We've got a guest today. Actually, our, it's our second time with this guest. We've got Bill Hilf, who is the SVP, Senior Vice President of Product Management for HP helion cloud or is it helion helion okay i like helion better but anyway i know <laughs> so um so anyway you guys had a bit of news actually you've had a bunch of news lately so first of all there's a little bit of a, a management change uh martin has stepped back and you are taking product management and tell us the other there are two other executives involved here correct yeah, sure. So it, I oversee product management for the Helion portfolio. Then I have uh, two partners, um, Carrie Bailey, who runs our go-to-market and sales organization, and Mark Interante, uh, who runs our engineering uh, organization. So we uh, affectionately call ourselves the Three Amigos. <laughs> and Martin Fink is in the mix as well, right? Yeah, yeah. CTO. We, uh, and... uh, we, yep, uh, and, and Martin Mikos is still... Uh, Still uh, at HP and and uh, helping out on cloud evangelism and a variety of things in the uh, uh, startup in, in environment. Okay, so he's out he's out talking to startups. Whereas HP, when most people think of HP, they think about enterprises. But is this like kind of an outreach to the smaller companies? Well, yeah. I mean, one way to think about it is there's a huge class of startups that target the enterprise. Uh, so the, uh, we, we talk to a lot of those types of companies. As a matter of fact, I just talked to a couple today um, that are building businesses to um, to target enterprise customers and some kinds of you know, specific industries or specific applications that they're uh, designing to solve certain needs. So, um, and Martin comes from that world. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, he's, you know, very, very familiar networked in that environment. So it's going to be a big help for us. Okay. And there was some news today. So, so the th there was some news today, updates to um, a bunch of your cloud products and they're the <laughs> plural is the word here. So let's go through there. Let's talk a little bit first about um, eucalyptus, which is now Helion eucalyptus. Um, can you just talk a little bit about what's new there and what the target market is? Yeah, sure. So we acquired uh, Eucalyptus late last year in 2014. Um, and what we've done is essentially now integrated them into our overall Helion portfolio. And, you know, it obviously, obviously takes time to do that mm -hmm. when you acquire a, a company. And, and so that means bringing them in um, to our product portfolio. But it's there's a lot of, uh, you know, frankly, you know, process things that we had to do 
behind the scenes to get them into the big HP system so that like like things like setting up an internal SKU so that mm-hmm. someone in the sales force can order the thing for a customer. Mm-hmm. Um, they're, it's not very exciting, but they're, they're things that take time at big companies. So a lot of, a lot of that was, was put in place to um, get it sort of mainlined into the HP uh, system. And then on the, on the product side, a set of things that we have been working on with this 4.1 release of, of Helion Eucalyptus so that we uh, can enable certain types of new scenarios that customers are looking for. Probably one that there's a variety of small things that we did in terms of administration um, uh, improvements, management improvements, and then we added a, um, uh, a, a AWS uh, CloudFormation's compatible service uh, so that people can use their CloudFormation templates or orchestration templates when they're trying to move full stacks of applications um, from AWS to a private cloud. So we added that uh, capability in Eucalyptus 4.12. And so just to be clear, you guys never stopped selling Eucalyptus and you continue to sell Eucalyptus, correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, yeah, so I mean, we, you know, I, when people ask me this question, I say, you know, we're, um, we're, we're fel- fairly intelligent people and, and, and we acquired them for a reason. <laughs> um, uh, it wasn't sort of a random uh, occurrence. Um, and the reason was there's there's real customer demand there, uh, and we we have a set of customers that we that Eucalyptus was uh, working with, and then uh, we're working with quite a few different customers now um, that want that that compatibility, uh, that AWS compatibility. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, nothing nothing uh, changed in terms of um, the. As a matter of fact, this release that we just had. Uh, had been ongoing during that course of that acquisition. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is the, the first sort of HP Helion release of work that was happening all along the way. And so so the, the, the game here is that if, if you want a private cloud or a, a private cloud that is compatible with Amazon Web Services, you go for HP Eucalyptus. If you But, t- but talk about the OpenStack HP Helion cloud that... You're you not really want to see Hellion. I know you yeah, want I to know, say, I do. Want I'm, to say I'm a Hellion. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, yeah, let, yeah. Let me let me explain it a little bit because sometimes people say, "Hey, is it a multi-cloud strategy? Is it?" Uh, let, so let me explain a little bit. We so first and foremost, our commitment and focus and investment in OpenStack hasn't changed or wavered at all, and it's pro- it's only increased, frankly. Um, so we are fully committed to to OpenStack as our core infrastructure as a service platform. Um, and we are investing quite a bit in that space. And also part of today's news, we're announcing a, um, a, a dot one update to our, our OpenStack distribution. Um, and I can go through some of the, the, mm-hmm. the features and things we added for that. But um, so that that is completely designed around giving customers a open uh, cloud platform that allows them to build uh, a variety of, of different types of deployments, sometimes um, single, you know, private clouds, sometimes a collection of private clouds that, that they'll bring together, sometimes in a managed um, or hosted cloud environment. And so what, what we've been focused on is how do we make OpenStack enterprise ready? How do we make it easy? How do we make it secure? How do we make it highly available? All the enterprise itties that you need mm-hmm. um, for uh, essentially a distributed operating system product. Now, as we started working with customers uh, around you, uh, around what they were looking for in their overall cloud environment, we d- we did hear the signal loud and clear that um, the AWS design pattern 
is incredibly relevant to them. And in some cases, it's because they have something in AWS today and they, they want the flexibility to, to, to bring that back to their own private cloud. In other cases, it's because they want to design their application on top of that cloud environment in a way that gives them the ability to use AWS in the future should they so desire. So they want to build in that design pattern um, in, a way, in, in a private cloud context, and mm -hmm. they may eventually want to move that application to AWS's public cloud service. Mm -hmm. uh, so there are two different use cases, but they're both generally similar in the sense that they need um, that AWS compatibility. So in those cases where a customer says, hey, I need that's what I need, um, we wanted an offering that says, yes, we, we can give you that, that type of compatibility um, that, that you need. So when we, we brought in Eucalyptus, we went and, you know, talked to a lot of customers. And some of, you know, Barb, over the years what I've learned is we, I listen to the market and media, but I hear customers. Uh, and it's a big difference for me, the listening and hearing. Uh, because we sat down and said, what is it that you, you really need from a cloud environment? Um, and frankly, our approach from their feedback is take an application down approach. So rather than an infrastructure up approach, how do we build, uh, how do we think about a cloud environment that helps an application at all parts of its life cycle, not just giving them the ability to spin up mm -hmm. compute instances or virtual machines as fast as possible. Um, and I think that's a very important um, way to look at the cloud market because so many people are looking at it as, as infrastructure up. So in that context, we said, okay, customers are looking at applications and those applications need, in, in the AWS case, um, they're looking for some degree of compatibility between private and public. Um, and, and so how do we give that application the ability to do that in a way that um, is, is as seamless or as easy or as cost effective as we can for the customer? Now, a lot of people say, well, why don't you add all those APIs into OpenStack and, you know, bring the S3 APIs into right. OpenStack or, or bring... But going back to the listening and hearing, it, it's not what customers were telling us. It's saying, no, listen, I have apps, and, and I want my apps to have that compatibility. Um, so the way that we're approaching it is saying, we, you know, in, in those cases we, where customers want Eucalyptus and want that AWS compatibility, we want to give them an easy experience. Um, and, and let's say a customer also has a VMware environment or an OpenStack environment, um, and they will likely have, you know, a management uh, and probably an application lifecycle, you know, an, an ITOM um, system and potentially even, a, you know, a DevOps uh, system that is oriented towards that infrastructure as a service. Um, so the way that we bridge these, and I hate to use the word hybrid, but the way mm -hmm. that a customer will have these different resource pools is we, you know, build tools and have to, uh, management offerings that help them manage across those. But um, we truly believe that as customers look at that application down view, instead of looking infrastructure up, it changes their view of what the cloud environment underneath really needs. Because when you start with just the infrastructure up, you think of, okay, well, I need, you know, this is all generally commodity stuff, right? And I just need to abstract all my IP mm -hmm. uh, and make it really easy to use. And it's all dev test and it's, it's just about spinning up VMs. And I'd say that was probably interesting seven, eight years ago. That's really not where enterprises are at today um, when they're trying to make, you know, a decision around what cloud architecture they'll use. Hmm. So, so what is the tool that manages across these clouds and does it do so now across like, you know, Amazon plus Azure plus you know, v VMware or whatever, what is what is your tool that does that? Uh, I, sort of two comments on that. The first is, I believe that there is, 
each of those cloud environments, uh, and certainly I know a lot about the Azure environment, having spent a lot mm -hmm. of time there, uh, each of those cloud environments are going to have management experiences um, that are deeply bound to that their infrastructure as a service. Um, and intentionally, it's not an accident, like they'll design, uh, those cloud providers will, will design in a way that makes the experience up and down that cloud environment as rich and as capable and functional as possible. Um, and, and that's not just the public cloud providers. Everyone will, you know, VMware does that with mm -hmm. vSphere, right? Mm -hmm. um, and we, we will do that with, with Helion. So when customer says, I want an OpenStack cloud, and I want the you know the HP uh, value proposition of uh, Helion. We're going to make a great and 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 rich experience for that that entire environment from the applications all the way down. That's why we're doing things with Cloud Foundry and our development platform, et cetera. So each of those clouds, Amazon, Helion, Azure, VMware, you, you know, you pick it. We'll have mm -hmm. a rich stack vertically um, that they focus on. Now, there's also going to be the need for IT, the operator, so to speak, mm -hmm. to be able to manage across multiple types of those resource pools at, at a certain altitude. And in that case, we have, we, we at HP have a tool called Cloud Service Automation, or CSA is the mm -hmm. acronym. Um, not very sexy, but <laughs> it's what we we'll call it. Functional. Um, uh, uh, that allows customers to do that, to have essentially an OpenStack resource pool or um, a Eucalyptus resource pool or a VMware resource pool or an AWS resource pool, et cetera. Now, we have, we have a huge amount of customers that use that every day. Essentially, they become internal service providers inside the enterprise using a tool like CSA where they front in all of those different cloud environments behind the scenes. Um, and I see enterprises doing this all the time. I see telcos doing it quite a bit as well, where they're offering to their internal customers or even external you know, partners and customers a set of services and behind the scenes they're picking the best cloud environment for what their customers need, and then they're servicing them as the as an ISP sort of, sort of internally. Um, so that that's really what we offer today with, with CSA, and and we our product we have a product called Cloud System that brings together um, our Helion assets with CSA um, as well as HP uh, infrastructure. The uh -huh. server storage and networking as sort of a private cloud integrated solution for customers who want that. This, they, uh, they want know, this, to have a, this is going to be a very unpopular thing to say, but this sounds like, um, um, like, uh, what was I used to cover this stuff? Open View for clouds or CA for clouds, and it's like kind of bringing back nightmares for me. But but I understand your point. I mean, it's it's managing a lot of different vendors' stuff, but every vendor wants to be the vendor at the top of that management heap. Do they not? Yeah, but that, that's that's kind of why I said what I, what I mentioned in the beginning is he, I right now and I think will continue in the future is every cloud provider, private or public, mm -hmm. will continue to make a the, the best, richest possible experience for their cloud. So the Azure management experience is going to be oriented towards the Azure services. The Helion management experience is going to be deeply oriented to Helion, OpenStack, and Helion uh, development platform. AWS can be very, and people often use the term lock-in or proprietary. Right. I think every enterprise is already through, I think the vendors get too wrapped up in this. Enterprises are already through the looking glass. They all know they're going to have some degree of lock-in. It's just where. Yeah. Right? So they're not, it's not a question for them like, oh, should I choose lock-in or not choose lock-in? It's where and, yeah. and how, how do you want? So every cloud provider will have that 
best-in-class management experience. Um, and I don't think there's a one one ring to rule them all type of concept here. That, I, that, that but, but we do have many customers that have lots of disparate IT. And what cloud does is it abstracts that. And, they, and th now they have lots of types of clouds, sometimes intentionally, sometimes right, not intentionally. Right. <laughs> uh, and they do want some way to at, least, at, at some level be able to see across all those and say, what do I have? How do I inventory? <laughs> Holy smokes, how do I what do I have? Exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, I, before we run out of time, I just want to bring up one other question. There are a couple of... I, it was maybe a year ago, maybe two years ago, HP talked uh, public cloud like it was going to come in and be, you know, an Amazon competitor or an Azure competitor, and that seems to have changed. Can you address that? I mean, you still offer public cloud, correct? Yeah, we still we still have a, a, the HP public cloud. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, it's it's a good question. What you know, again, what we're what we're hearing is customers, our our customers at least are saying that they want private or ma or a managed, you know, ho uh, I think hosted. Mm -hmm. They want a private or hosted cloud environment for, for most of their everyday business applications um, and, and control uh, is often a driver for that as well. And then they want the option to use a public cloud often uh, for scale uh, mm -hmm. or, or geographic reach. Mm -hmm. um, and so we we do hear uh, uh, that they're they're looking for both. Now we believe for the opportunity for us uh, in the next two three years is really to continue to help customers in the the managed hosted environments and the private cloud environments. And we have a lot of strength in those areas as a company. We have a lot of assets we can bring to bear, um, and and a lot of uh, abilities across HP. Uh, to deliver best in class for private or for a, a fully managed uh, cloud environment, uh, our public cloud does a lot of things for us. It's really that a lot of people don't see on the outside. One, it allows us to understand what is it like to run OpenStack at large scale. Mm -hmm. So it's an incredible instrument for us to understand OpenStack in the wilds and how does OpenStack behave at very very large scale. And, and we have a whole set of tools that we have built to run our public cloud that we are productizing into our Helan OpenStack distribution. Mm -hmm. So tools that we use every day, literally right now here in my office in Seattle, we have our ops team in the hallway over, there's tools that they use that will over time become products that our customers can use with Helan OpenStack. Mm -hmm. And so that's that, that's a big asset that we have uh, by running our own, uh, our own public cloud environment and not only teaches us, but allows us to build things for people who are going to run our own products at scale. Um, so, but we, we don't have an intention to, to go, you know, spend billions and billions of dollars to build um, the infrastructure required for, let's say, a, a, you know, an Amazon, uh, an AWS, or, or an Azure. I mean, certainly I, I learned a lot about what that means at, at Microsoft. Mm -hmm. um, and, and it's not because we, oh, we just don't want to write a billion dollar check. It's because... W the customers we're targeting, the types of customers we're after, um, they're, that's not at the top of their priority list. They're not looking for 100,000 servers sp spread across the globe. They're prioritizing other things when we talk to them. Things like security are much, much higher on their list than intergalactic scale of a public cloud. <laughs> so if you have a um, large enterprise account who wants to do bursting or geographic coverage would would they come to you guys or would they come to just say screw it we'll go to amazon or they have a yeah, choice yeah so yeah if a customer came to me and said hey i need to spin up a million instances to uh 
do whatever, right? Mm-hmm. You know, stream um, some big uh, uh, news event or, or film or something. Um, yeah, we would certainly say, hey, you should go talk. I, if I were it was talking to me, I'd say go talk to uh, AWS or uh, or Azure. I think Azure has a great service. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'd point it, point them in that direction. Um, but you know, kind of what we what we typically hear day to day, honestly, is is actually pretty unexciting and mundane um, from customers. Uh, it's not, you know, they're not all trying to stream the Olympics or to build <laughs> Netflix. Like ninety nine percent of the enterprises in the world are doing boring things like server refreshes right. or their their lease in a data center is expiring. I mean, it's really boring stuff. Right. But it matters to them, right? So this is sort so of you a, guys would be in the market. You you would go for those workloads. That's what for we your yeah. That's what cloud. we target. Yeah. Okay. Great. Well, I think we're up against the deadline, but uh, I appreciate you coming on, and uh, I think this is your second time with us. And repeat offender. Uh, repeat I exactly. Come on again. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Bill. Talk to you later. Great talking to you, Barbara. Thanks for listening, guys.